Hello, everyone. My name is Wyatt Bosworth, Assistant Counsel at the Connecticut Business and Industry Association. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's BizCast podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by Roberta Wachtelhausen, President of Wellspark Health, and Andy Campbell, Chief Growth Officer at Wellspark Health. Thank you to both of you for uh, joining us today. Established in 2013, Wellspark Health is a leading well-being disease prevention and management company. Um, the company is helping employers in Connecticut and across the country improve the health of their respected workforces, uh, while also providing better value um, on traditional employer-sponsored health plans. Um, we're going to spend some today, some time today, talking to Bert and Andy about how WellSpark services improve the health and wellness of the employers they serve. So, thank you both for joining us. Um, the first kind of overarching question for you, Bert, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you could tell us generally about WellSpark, how Specifically, you serve employers, and how do you see employee benefits evolving today? Well, first of all, Wyatt, thanks for having Andy and I on. Uh, a real pleasure for us to be with you and CBIA. We know that the partnership between CBIA and Connecticut is a longstanding partnership. And for those who don't know, WellSpark uh, came out of Connecticut. And uh, just to take a step back, we're, we're actually a national company even though we're based in Farmington, uh, but we do have a relationship with Connecticut, their clients, and therefore, you know, the partnership to, between CBIA, WellSpark, and Connecticut is a tight one. So we, we just appreciate you having us on so that we can speak to your members. Your question around uh, WellSpark and employee benefits in general and, and employers, you know, we, we've seen for years now that uh, as an employer tries to deliver a suite of employee benefits to their employees to, to keep them healthy or to take care of them when they're sick or whether it's even workers' compensation or disability, we observe that the landscape is, is a bit fragmented. And there's sometimes uh, employees fall through the cracks. And, um, and, and we're really focused on the employee's mental health, bio health, physical health, and their social health, because we think those three things really need to come together in, a, in, in taking care of the total person. So our vision has always been to bring these, bring benefits together um, and in a biopsychosocial model to take care of that total person. But we're also trying to occupy a space of health, which is saying, we, we believe in lifestyle as medicine. So we, we really try to keep people out of the sick care system in the first place. And, and we're doing that, again, we're focused on keeping people healthy. If they are sliding towards a chronic disease, bringing forth programming that helps them, specifically like diabetes prevention is, is one of them. But also if they have been diagnosed with a chronic disease, keeping them on a good path. So we have nurses and coaches that are specifically working with employees who are trying to stay on a healthy path, whether they have been diagnosed with a chronic disease or not. And we do use this biopsychosocial approach so that it's almost like a new front door for that employee to interact with their benefits and, and they don't have to go to EAP for social help or behavioral health for some, some basic stress, anxiety, coping, that kind of thing. They're working with a coach or a nurse and they get all of that in that interaction. So as we think about employee benefits going forward, Think about what the pandemic has done for employees. You've either, you're either an essential worker 
who's trying to show up every day and at your business or uh, whatever line of work you're in that, that brings you to work every day in a very stressful time. Well, how are we helping employers help their employees in that very stressful time? Or if you aren't an essential worker and are now just starting to return to work, think about the stress that goes with that, the stress for the employer, for sure. Um, you know, trying to navigate all the coming back to work and all the rules around that. But as an employee now, you may have been working home for the last year and now you're coming back into the workplace and all the stress that goes with that. And, and, and again, you know, the pandemic has knocked everybody off of their routines, especially in the beginning, where they, if they had a chronic disease, you know, taking care of themselves might have knocked them off a path. So again, as going forward for employee benefits for us at WellSpark, the world has actually come right into focus of what we do, mm-hmm. or we have come in to meet right into focus for where the world is to say it differently. And so what we're doing now, and, and Andy can speak more to this, we're, we're really trying to help that employer develop a culture of well-being, not just offer a suite of things, a suite of benefits. We're really trying to go beyond that and say, how do you help that employer bring forth a culture that is focused on well-being of the workforce. Great, and um, you know, you, I, I think you touched on what what Wells Fargo describes as the, the life dimensional approach, right? So not not just focusing on the normal physical vital signs, right? That that normal benefit plans rely on, but focusing on the mental, psycho, and biological makeup of each individual employee. Um, I, I guess my next question is you know, what type of employers do you find yourself working with? Um, and, and are there issues specific to certain employers um, that maybe uh, other employers would not necessarily benefit from? I guess my question is, you know, how do you take such a diverse range of employers and, and craft a wellness, um, life-dimensionally focused product? But I would tell you from a business perspective at WellSpark, we are really focused on those empl- employers who see the, this culture of health um, to really be at the, at the epicenter of, I'll use the word solving some business problems. So if you have a healthy, productive workforce, you know that it will lead to positive business results. So I bet you're looking for the answer to the question to be, well, we're looking for employers of a certain size or a certain industry or a certain profile we're actually looking for that employer who really understands the value of this program and not just bringing forth another, what we call point solution, but really looking to bring it all together and say, how do we, how do, how do we look across the organization and, and change the culture? Now, I will tell you, there are some of WellSpark's programs that are offered to CBIA members now through the relationship with Connecticut. And if you think about those kinds of programs, they're, they're focused on mind-body. There's, there's mindfulness, there's wellness, there's closing some gaps in bio-preventive care, making sure you get your screening. So those kinds of programs are in place. And really the, the best customer for us is that employer who wants to take it to the next level and look at how do, how do my employees access information? How do they learn? How, how, how do we treat them as a work force. Andy, I'm going to throw it to you if you have a perspective through uh, your former life as an HR executive. Thanks. Hi, Wyatt. Nice to officially be able to hang out with you. So thanks for having us, as Bert said. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, as Bert mentioned, I've joined WellSpark a few months ago, but I was a client of WellSpark as the head of people and culture for Laz Parking, which is a Connecticut-based company, and so very familiar with uh, a lot of what Bert was talking about in terms of specifically the needs of the employer and, and you know, the next gen uh, or next generation of, of employee well-being, and specifically as it relates to the types of employers or considerations think, you know, it doesn't matter what size you could be a 15,000 strong parking company, or you could be a 50 and a, or a hundred person strong, small business. Um, and it doesn't matter if an employer is looking to move the needle on and in general workforce or population health, then WellSpark is a good fit to support them in doing that. The key for us is that no individual and no organization is the same. And so that's what what we believe is one of the key differentiators for what we do. And that is that employers can come to us and say, this is what our workforce look like, looks like. And can you help me with that? You know, people who are parking cars are not going to have the same um, capabilities, access, bandwidth, resources than maybe people who are sitting in office all day. And so as a partner, a well-being partner, we're going to help work with those employers to figure out what are the right let's say use cases for our solutions. How do we implement those? How do we integrate those so that we are moving the needle and, and driving results for whatever is important for that client? The last thing I'll say is, you know, as I said, no client is the same, no individual is the same. You know, what's important to one employer right now might be really different to what's important, you know, important to another. One employer might be really focused on chronic disease management because they're paying a lot of money claims, let's say, or um, cost of premiums are going up for them year over year. And that's important. Whereas another employer might be really focused on growth and having a hard time attracting talent, because as we all know, this is a tough talent market. And so maybe they're positioning a program uh, like their well-being work as part of their ability to attract really good cutting edge talent in the market. So that's another just sort of consideration from an employer perspective is, you know, what are you solving for as it relates to well-being and and benefits in general, but particularly wellness and well-being, and how can can you use these programs that we're talking about and what we deploy at WellSpark to enhance that important strategy around people and culture? That's not just you know one size fits all wellness, or not just falling in the wellness bucket um, and the wellness dollars bucket too. Uh, I think we got to think bigger um, as it relates to that. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I, I do want to spend some time kind of digging into the specific type of programming that you do with, with employers. Um, you know, so I was browsing your website and, and came across um, a couple of programs. One of them um, kind of caught interest to me as, as someone who's personally a diabetic um, and someone who probably would have benefited from a program similar to this, um, although it, it handles type two more than type one, but still very important. Um, so uh, according to a, a Gallup Share Care Wellbeing Index survey on your website, you note that uh, over $20 billion is lost annually by employers due to diabetes-related absenteeism. And, and I'm curious um, to kind of figure out what your, uh, your diabetic wellness program is like for the employers that you serve. So when we think about our diabetes prevention program, we can go a lot of different ways. So one, we have a diabetes prevention program that follows the curriculum from the CDC to help obviously people who have been diagnosed with diabetes to manage their lifestyle more effectively to help improve the condition. So that's a 14 month program that the employer can pay directly for, or can be built through claims. A nice opportunity for an employer who has this prevalence of diabetes within their workforce 
to improve results pretty dramatically and our results continuously outpace uh, other CDC approved programs. So really proud of that. Another consideration as it relates specifically to diabetes, although it, it could go across other lifestyle diseases too, is our Help 364 program where our nurse coach educators work with em employees or individuals who are either at risk for diabetes, have been diagnosed with diabetes, or maybe other um, lifestyle diseases like hypertension, hyperlipidemia, heart disease, where we can help them move the needle in improving their uh, symptoms or improving even their um, risk factors as a result of working with our nurses. I'll pause and let Bert fill in some blanks. I'm sure I missed yeah, something. So Andy told, Andy told you the what about the programs and what mm -hmm. those programs are, the targeted population of those, of those programs. Certainly it is to prevent people from moving into type two diabetes, but once they're there, keeping them on a good path. And this, the Help 364 program was named specifically because we heard loud and clear from members who said, you know, I would go to my doctor and I would get diagnosed or I would check in with my doctor maybe once a year. And the doctor would say things like, well, you know, watch what you eat and get some exercise, have a nice day. Yeah. And so keeping on a good path and being and supporting someone to stay on a good path for the other 364 days a year, that essentially is what we do. And that became the name of the product, <laughs> Help 364. Uh, I'll focus just at a dimension here, which is the how. So if you think back to what I talked about with our bio, psycho and social model, when our nurse or our coach is working with someone to either prevent or help someone stay on a good path and self-manage a chronic disease, we're really focused on education of what's really going on in improving the health literacy of people around what is diabetes, how do you avoid it, what's a carbohydrate, nutrition, and all that sort of thing. But then we focus on the why, and this is where everyone's different. Every workforce is different, as Andy said, but every individual has their own why. Why can't I stay on a good path with my lifestyle? And our coaches and our nurses are trained to really unlock the, the, the why. why, why can't you? And oftentimes, you know, we hear one story, we hear one story, but there's some common themes emerge, which it might be caregiving where I take care of somebody else and therefore I don't take care of myself. Well, instead of just finding out what that is, we're actually trying to take it one step further and help someone get the caregiving help they need in that example so that they can keep themselves on a good path. In some cases, it may be they need some access to resources that they, that they don't have. So we're helping to unlock why and uh, pull it through and help them get the resources. Again, bio, psycho, and social. And this is where we're a little bit different and to go all the way back, this is what we're trying to solve for by saying, in a today's employee benefits landscape, those would be three different benefits. But we're trying to make them be one interaction, a personal human interaction, one-on-one -on -one to say, what's going on in your world that's keeping you from being on a good path of health? That, that's amazing. And, and you know, my, my next question you know, follows, follows this discussion closely. And I'm, I'm really curious about um, what kind of outcomes you're seeing? So, you know, the, the, from the employer side, um, whether it be uh, if you're seeing lower overall healthcare spending as a result of these wellness programs, if um, on the employee side, if you see them 
um, actually taking up these services and utilizing them and gaining better health outcomes? You know, what, what are your clients saying about the services that you're providing? I would say there are optimal conditions for results. Mm-hmm. And those optimal conditions are when an employer is committed and an employer is putting in a structured program to really entice and motivate people to do certain things. Because this is a lot about behavior change. Mm-hmm. And it's the employer trying to get an employee to make behavior change. So our best outcomes are when there's there's motivation in place for an employee to do something. And, and employers can do a whole bunch of things. They can structure their benefits and deductibles and maybe health savings account deposits in exchange for uh, doing certain things or uh, improving things like biometrics, you know, lowering your blood pressure, lowering your weight. So there's a whole host of incentives that could be put in place by the employer in order to get an employee's attention and, and motivate them to make a change. You know, you could go so deep into the organization to say some of the outcomes we may look at are um, improved turnover, better retention of employees, um, not, not even related to healthcare costs. So that's something that uh, we've been tracking and seeing, you know, some anecdotal evidence of employees saying, as a result of having a health coach, I'm not going to leave this company because I can't believe I get this for free. So anecdotally speaking, that's a big win, obviously. Um, and, and so some future tracking outcomes, tracking we're, we're looking at and partnering with some of our more cutting edge clients is looking at impact of engagement, turnover, retention, and then um, other types of, let's call them just employer people uh, metrics that aren't necessarily tied to health. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned this, Bert, we, we can have all of the programs and wellness programs in place, but unless the employer is really committed um, to driving their employees to utilize those services and creating what you said is a culture of well-being, um, then it's not the most effective. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what, according to WellSpark, the culture of well-being is um, and why an employer should create this culture in their workforce. Well, um, I'm actually, this is, this is at Andy Campbell's wheelhouse. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I will tell you that, uh, I'll give you a quick, my, my perspective. You know, we often, over the years for wellness programs, um, you, we often heard years ago that, you know, unless you have an executive champion, you know, these programs aren't going to really take. And so, you, you know, people who are really interested in wellness at a workforce would make sure they got somebody in the C-suite to pay attention and fund these programs. And then the next, next iteration of how to create this culture is we would hear that it's great to have a champion in the C-suite, but this really needs to play out on the shop floor. Because if you have supervisors in place that aren't going to give employees a path for good health, so maybe an employee wants to go out and walk around on a break and out into the parking lot and get some steps in, or um, name all the examples here, unless the supervisors are really on board, it's not gonna play, it needs to play out on the shop floor. So then there was a whole host of programming, at least that I saw, that was focused on giving supervisors a toolkit. But all of these things are just stopgap measures. You need A plus B plus what Andy's about to talk about uh, as we see a a culture of health and how we're counseling employers to really pull this through and bring it to life. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll add to that if it's okay. So the way I would describe it is that the best and most uh, rigorous, most, um, at, I guess, most successful programming uh, when it relates, you know, related to wellness or well-being happens outside of HR. And it's when our leaders have behavior or are building behavior, using behavior or acting in a certain way that benefits um, everyone, right? And improves everybody's well-being. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. As Bert alluded to a little bit with supervisors, if I'm, you know, if our wellness group, right, or our HR benefits team is saying, go get your preventative exam, go get your preventative exam. You have to do this or else you have to do this or else. And then um, an employee says, I need time off to go get my preventative exam. And the manager says, well, sorry, you don't can't have time off because you don't have enough PTO or you don't have sick time or that's, you just can't come off the, the shift for that reason. Then you're, you're really not solving the problem that you're trying to solve for. And so when I think about a culture of well-being, and that's one of many examples, what I think about is managers who end meetings by saying things like, what are you doing to take care of yourself this weekend? Or when somebody sees somebody else acting in a way that's not usual, maybe they're showing up to work late, maybe on a regular basis, and that's not generally their behavior. Maybe they're acting hot-headed, and that's not generally how we see them. They're taking a pause and thinking, gosh, I wonder what's going on with that person. I better find out. It's a manager who knows something's going on with an employee because an employee confided in that person and says, you know what? We have a wonderful EAP program and I want to refer you, or we have a wonderful partner in health coaching called WellSpark and WellSpark can help you. And I think you should use them or here's the phone number to HR. We got to get, we got to get HR involved because you need help. And so when I, I think about well-being, I think about creating a, some would say psychologically safe work environment, a work environment where people feel comfortable to speak up, to have a voice, to feel heard, to ask for help. And when somebody isn't feeling like they can do that across all aspects of their life, including their work, then their well-being will suffer. And so it really spans a whole lot of areas beyond just, you know, managing someone's chronic disease or making sure they're not feeling stressed or getting time for prevention. There's also a, a set of workplace behaviors that I think are really important as foundational components to building well-being and, and really allowing it to permeate throughout the, the company's DNA. And so when we say moving from traditional wellness to culture of well-being, what we say is we're going to go away from wellness point solution and think across your entire people strategies. Where do we have opportunities to build little nuggets of moments, even moments of bringing humanity and, you know, bringing your humanity to the moment or um, bringing opportunities to promote the idea of being well, feeling well, moving toward and enduring well uh, across that entire life dimensional model. That's where we start to see the change happen. Right. And why just if I could just I can't resist because yeah. I'll come back to where I started, which is obviously we're passionate about this. Right. So uh, but I if you know. think about employers bringing now employees back to work when everybody went into lockdown, at least the employers I observed were really checking in with their employees. How you doing? How's it going? You know, and now that we're coming back to work, we have to make sure that we, we continue that just because we're back at work doesn't mean we're now back to you know, impersonal work interactions. We need to continue that compassion that we had when everybody went out and, it, and the stress. And, and now that people are coming back in, there were some really good behaviors that came out of um, going into lockdown and, and everything that went with that. We have to make sure that employers need to think about how do I make sure I don't lose that piece as people are coming back into the workplace. Great. So, so, so aside from the actual wellness programs you do, you. I hear this right, you will also work with companies to help foster 
and create that culture of well-being, correct? That's, that's something WellSpark is there from the very beginning of the contract all the way through, right? Yeah, that's right. I can I can speak to that if you want. Yeah. It, you know, not all employers are created equal. Not all employers are ready for this type of I'm going to call it organizational change. It's it's monumental. It's it takes a lot of work, and there's a lot of effort for those employers. And and by the way, there's no judgment for those who aren't. It's okay. It doesn't mean that those programs that those employers are putting into place aren't going to be successful. So plenty of employers have wellness right programs in place that are. Um, perfectly successful for the metrics that are important for them. For those employers who are ready to take this step, stuff that we've been just talking about in the last few minutes, absolutely, we'd be happy to help. And in fact, you know, part of the value proposition, I believe, or how we deliver on our promise is we're able to sit with an employer and say, okay, like what's working, what's not working? How do your leaders behave under pressure? Tell us about your current uh, norms, things that aren't in a handbook that we need to know. What are some of the behaviors that show up in your workplace? And then, and thinking about how to, uh, how to ideate, like where could this belong? What could we do? How do we, how do we find an integration point with what you're already doing to some of the programming that we have? And on top of that, or we're happy to offer some consultative support around integrating well-being into the um, entire workforce and workplace into all the people strategies. We call that part of our advisory practice and uh, it's something that we can do. And we do um, at all different levels, depending on where the employer is. We're gonna, just like we, in our coaching model, meet individuals where they are, we're gonna meet an employer where they are too. Great, so I, my, my last question, because we're, we're running uh, short on time right now. Um, if I'm a C- CBIA, member uh, employer listening to this podcast right now. And, and I'm digging all of what Bert and Andy are saying about um, the culture of well-being and making sure uh, that you know we just don't focus on the physical vital signs of our employees, but the more holistic picture, the emotional, the psychosocial well-being aspect. Um, what, what if an employer is listening to this right now? How do they get in contact with WellSpark? Uh, where can they get more information? Well, you can quickly uh, go through uh, through CBIA, and, and you know, if you have Connecticut insurance, these there are, as I said before, there's aspects of our programming that's already there for you. But if you want to take this step, and you want the the playbook, the help, the consulting help to develop that new muscle, uh, you can go through your broker certainly, um, or you can contact us at info at wellsparkhealth.com. Call us. You can email us. You can send an owl. We'll be happy to respond in any way we can. Great. Um, <laughs> is there anything I, I missed, or either of you want to talk about quickly before we sign off? No. I. I. Why? Thank you, for, Andy. And I could talk about this all day. We're both very, very passionate about this, and you know, I think this is this is a a pivotal point for employers. It. it, it you know, as tragic as this pandemic has been for, for people in general and businesses, certainly, it, it, it's the perfect time to rethink the old paradigm and, and just say, you know what, I think I might need a new set of muscles here. And how do I develop that new muscle? And this is where we can help through our advisory practice, consulting practice. But it's also a time, <clears throat> I think, to think about your workforce in a new way and think about what they need in a new way and ask yourself if the, as an employer, is, is what I've been using for years, is it working for me? Is it working for me? And it's not, it's not just about the money and the healthcare spend 
that comes with good health. It's actually improving the culture of your workforce to, to, to get better business results overall. And uh, for all the reasons that Andy said. So I just wanted to leave with that saying, you know, it's, it's a great time, a pivotal point for businesses to be looking at what they have in their tools in, in a whole new way. I do think it's important for employers to take responsibility for this in some ways. And, you know, we all have a responsibility to improving the healthcare system in our country and reaching folks who are hard to reach. WellSpark does that well, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it um, and do more of it and, and think about opportunities that you can to elevate humanity through business, being a conscious company, looking for, for ways to um, contribute to giving employees tools, resources, and information that helps, helps them to access quality care as effectively and, and successfully as they can. Great. You're here. So that, uh, that about does it. Um, thank you so much uh, to Bert and to Andy from, from WellSpark Health uh, for joining CBIA today on the uh, BizCast podcast. Um, please like, comment, subscribe, share this podcast with your friends and uh, really looking forward to seeing the great work that this company will continue to do uh, moving into the future. So thank you both. Thank you, Wyatt. Appreciate it.